Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. I'm Bob Galen. Josh. Bob. Let's do something really strange. Let's. Let's be incredibly crisp and get, we have a good episode. I'm feeling really good about the episode. So let's, let's go through a quick intro, nail the hit leading points and get into the episode as quickly as possible. So the biggest new thing for us is I am live streaming every Tuesday and Thursday on Twitch. Holy crap. Holy. Really? Right. Live? What is live streaming? Is that live. like like fishing in a stream? You can come in and chat and ask all the questions you want. So if you've been to any of and our you, conference someone sessions, could like actually say, "Bob, scratch your nose," and I would scratch yes. my nose, yes, and they would see that they, yes, holy, that's un- unbelievable. Guacamole, say it, holy guacamole, uh, holy guacamole. So every Tuesday and Thursday, I am doing this. Sometimes we have our special guest Bob. So on Twitch, sign up. Get your Agile questions answered for free. So we are giving away oh my God. free Agile coaching. We give away way too much stuff. I know. I mean, it's I in know. our DNA. I know. It's who we are. Bless our little hearts, but gosh. Right. So twitch.tv slash Kazi underscore I-O. K-A-Z-I underscore I-O. Kazi.io. I'll put the link in there. So right. every Tuesday and Thursday, come and ask questions. So screaming. Happy to help. Aside from that, we have... Sponsors. So sponsors are back. Conference season is ramping up. Oh. Agile DevOps East through TechWell. Through TechWell. This is Bob's swan song. It's my swan song as the um, program chair. So I expect it to be like insanely fantastic. No, I'm I'm just going to cry and fade away into the (laughs) – I'm just going to be sad. Way to sell it. It's melancholy. Oh, I'm not selling it. I'm not. (laughs) No, that's something sad. Bob, come on. No, it is. It's not. No, it's actually. It's not. It has nothing to do with me. A little bit, but it's a. It's a rock. It's a really solid conference. Now that being said, I think we've even upped the bar with who we've invited. We have workshops. We have track talks. I think. Are you? I'm just a track talk. I looked. You keep telling me I've got a workshop, but I. I don't see myself as a workshop. Really. Really. I don't. I think you got a workshop. Okay. Well, we got to figure that out. Then. We got to figure it out. I, I'll have. To, well, it's so cutting. It's it's worth coming. It's in Orlando. It's in Orlando. In yep. early November, first week in November. Mm-hmm. Be there. Be square. Josh is going to be there. I'm going to be there. Bunch of people. A Here's bunch of another cubs. reason for you to be there. You can save four hundred dollars oh on God. the registration. It's like us giving away free stuff again. We're, more we, free we're stuff. Sweeting. It's too sweet of a pot. We have to like dole it out. Oh my god! So use the code Meta eighteen to get four hundred dollars off your registration fee. Agile DevOps leadership, Agile engineering practices, Agile testing and automation, building Agile DevOps cultures, scaling Agile certifications. It's all there, headlined by Bob Galen. I can't imagine anything better than that. I just can't. I just, I looked, you're not here. I told you, I don't, as far as I know, I'm not doing a workshop. Oh, I mean, we gotta, we gotta, oh man. I'll be happy to do a workshop. I know. I'm I'm not on the schedule. I should probably talk to the conference chair. The guy that's doing the program. The the guy yeah. who screwed the pooch here, apparently. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I That's well, okay. That's okay. There's always the spring. I'll be happy to go to okay. Vegas. Okay. All right. What yeah. else is going on? Is that I, it? I think that's it. Let's All right. Let's get on to the episode. Let's get on to the episode. <laughs>
Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. And it's been a long, oh, dear Lord, long yes. time. Oh, man. And you know, Metacasters, you know whose fault it is? I accept this. Not that I wouldn't want to throw anyone under the bus, mind you, but I'm going to throw him under the bus. And it's a big bus. It's giant. It would require a large bus. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, but we're back. We're back. Yeah. 99% of the problems have been mine from a scheduling to a technology per- perspective, but we are back on track. We're back in the saddle, ready baby. To roll. Yes. What's the topic today, Josh? The topic today is, is dealing, handling, handling, is dealing, why did you ask me and then you answer? No, but I had this epiphany. <laughs> like, I had this epiphany. <laughs> I said, handling Josh Anderson's. Wow. That is not nice, Bob. Handling problem people. That is not nice. I thought you were going to like take a stab at yourself, but I instead could've. you took a stab at me, <laughs> I, your partner. So, so I was, I was at a crossroads there in my mind, right? And it was like self-sacrifice myself or sacrifice Josh. And, I'm glad, and the I'm little glad devil, we have this recorded and we know where you stand. And the little devil this changes on the everything, side Bob. said, throw his ass under the bus. I'm just going to change this. this is very, I'm, I'm glad we had this moment. There's no I te- am. There's no, uh, there's no team in I. I feel better now. You're right. Now I know how, how we stand. How the, how the cookie crumbles. <laughs> <laughs> so Handling um, problem people. Handling problem people. So And handling escalations. So right. the context. And this comes from George Gregorian, who I think is in Southern California. So George, and it's been a long time. You patiently are waiting. Mm-hmm. So but we're our backlog, we always prioritize the backlog and we eventually get to it. So yes. so and the angle with which we're going to talk about this is as an agile coach or as a scrum master. You have someone on your team that's a challenge. How do you handle that situation? If you need to escalate it, how do you escalate it up? If you need help, yep. how do you do that? So it's not from a team member's perspective. It's not from the direct manager's perspective or CEO. It's as an agile coach slash scrum master. In how do you handle that situation? That yep. Okay. You want to start? Yeah. So to me, the most important thing is a healthy successful team is served by a well-paired manager and scrum master oh my god you knocked that out of the park right out of the freaking park bob holy crap you you know you're supposed to tease them to start nope with. I, we're not messing right. around so go keep go go for it now that's easy to say hard to do right it's easy to put those hand handful of words and string together but when i've seen it work really well is when there is a true partnership between the manager and the scrum master, and they are working in unison to ensure the success of the team. When only one of them's working on the problem, that's when strife happens. There's frustration, there's lack of communication, all the bad things yep. creep up when those two roles aren't working hand in hand. Yep. I, I mean, I, God, I, I'm just, I'm speechless. That's the first. When is that? When has that happened Never to me? Um, I, I talk to scrum masters a lot about initiating one of their responsibilities in partnering, partnering with the PO, mm-hmm. uh, and then partnering with the manager or functional managers of the people who are on their team, mm-hmm. and you know, meeting with them weekly or every couple of weeks, have coffee. I usually recommend that they get out of the office if they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a thirty-minute conversation, and they talk about. Um, they talk about their shared goals for the team, like how is the team doing? 
what are the challenges and what is their vision like continuous improvement so they become they they're they're not just problem partners so when a problem comes up they don't just partner mm-hmm. but they're partnered with around continuous improvement continuous inspiration mm-hmm. right and uh the scrum master is sort of helping the manager coach mm-hmm. and uh and the manager is leveraging the scrum master sort of they're they're the eyes and ears where the rubber meets the road of the right. team right so the manager can't be hovering right can't be micromanaging so they're sort of the the eyes and ears of the of right and the that's the key manager. point is as a scrum master you're intended to be in every ceremony oftentimes if you have a manager that's in every ceremony that can become problematic because people's behaviors unintentionally change when their boss is in the room. And this is a lesson that Bob helped me learn probably six, seven, eight years ago where I was operating as a leader, boss, scrum master, and retrospectives weren't going as smoothly as I wanted them to. And Bob told me to just get the heck out of there because I didn't want it. I didn't want to be perceived as the boss. I wanted to be perceived as the teammate, as the agile coach there, but people couldn't just get around that. And it wasn't their fault. That's just, that's how humans operate. So the best thing I did in that instance was myself as the manager slash boss got out of the retro and just let the team have it. So So if, so if they're there, things alter and it's not as cohesive as it should be just by your presence. So understanding that the manager's presence can cause things to tighten up and cause problems. So, but that scrum master isn't there, is intended to be there, is perceived to be a part of the team, is, is expected to be helping right. them and is not that outsider. They're, so that's, a, they're a member of the team. Right. There's a trust, trust, I think there that to your point, the manager needs to trust the role of the scrum master. Uh, I'm going to flip it around. I've, I've had scrum masters who escalate to a manager. Uh, they escalate a performance issue. To, to a manager. So mm-hmm. they did what they could and then they escalated. Uh, but then they don't see change. Uh, and usually they have urgency around the change, yeah. right? They're like, I escalated to you right. on Tuesday, Josh, and it's Thursday and Bob is still a curmudgeon. What, what are you doing? Right. And I'm like, you know, I say trust goes both ways. You have to trust that that leader who you've partnered with is doing their coaching. Mm-hmm. And you may not see something for a week. And or stuff like that doesn't change overnight. And it doesn't change overnight. So and you have to trust that they have your back. They understand if they need your help uh, or if they want additional insights, uh, they, they'll ask you. But they've got the ball. But that's so, where the partnership comes in is that you can't just throw it over the wall. It's not like dev and test, right. right? Where, hey, I'm done with my code. Here, go test it and come back and tell me when it's done. You don't expect that from your teams. You expect them to work together. You have to exhibit those same principles you preach about. You have to do the same thing with that manager and exactly. truly partner with them. Exactly. It, it, it goes, it's sort of that way. I want to flip it around. Uh, when I was, I use it, I'll use eye contact as an example. I remember I was a leader in the coach and a lot of times scrum masters or people would come to me and they would want me to fix things. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and let's use Scrum Master in this example. And they would have a problematic team. So they would want to punt to the manager. They would, they initially tried to punt to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, I have an issue. Take care of it for me, Bob. 
And I would always ask them what part they had done. Mm-hmm. Uh, what part had they in the team mm-hmm. taken? Had the team taken any action? Had they personally taken any action? And if the answer was no, if the first action was complaining or punning it to me, I would usually deflect back to them. I'm like, I, you know, you need to, yeah. you, you need to do something, uh, and then let me know if you help. But you can't. I cannot be your first avenue mm-hmm. of reaction. That's that's not consistent. It's not congruent. You owe your team something. Your role is beyond that. I'm putting that out there to see how you react to that. What What is your feeling? No, I believe the same way. And when I think about the health of a team when there's a problematic individual there's a progression and i think the team should address it first right if the scrum master doesn't see the team attempting to address it first they shouldn't jump in yet so they should encourage support the other team members and empower them to try and fix it themselves maybe they enlist the manager to give them some hr type training of how to have the difficult conversations or gives them the crucial conversations book any gives them the tools to have the discussions because they should try and tackle it first and maybe it's a little bit hairier and then the scrum master steps in and has a discussion with that team member and gets them to understand the disruption and the distraction they're causing within the team right then at that point if that doesn't get it done then that's when you loop in the manager the direct manager then if that doesn't work then that's where you go to the vp or the director or or whatever yeah right all of that stuff needs to happen so it needs to be a progression and to your point you can't allow people to jump steps right you need to support them and give them the tools to try and tackle it themselves right. otherwise the whole concept of self direction is thrown out the window the you've shown it doesn't matter anymore exactly I, I, and again there's a fine line there of you're not deflecting to not do your job so for example if it's an hr issue i, I mean not everything is leveled so mm-hmm. let's say it's an hr it's right. a, it's a yeah. harassment issue that's different then that's different that mm-hmm. jumps levels or if it's a safety issue it jumps levels or any other sort of very serious mm-hmm. issue jumps levels fine i've got that right? right that's my job to take that but if it's team interactions it's uh it's sort of uh, not conf- engaging in a ceremony, not engaging in a ceremony, conflict, right. uh, not listening, passive aggressive, whatever. Uh, I like what you said. It's team first. Right now, I'm not saying how long the team may try one thing and then it may not work, or mm-hmm. they may try, want to try several things. That's fine. But team first, then scrum master, then leader, then senior leader, or whatever. Get mm-hmm. you know, get help with that. And and I like that sort of es- It's not a policy. It's not a process, but it's. It's sort of it's an accountability sort of phases, right? Uh, where I want I want some action. Uh, I don't want. You ever? This is going to sound odd, but it's like you know, good cop, bad cop. Or you go to mom. Or, you know, you, mm-hmm. you know, mom always says yeah. yes, and dad says no. Oh yeah, I know how that works. It's it's like I always you know it always felt like someone's just trying to get the right answer. No, no, work work the system. Mm-hmm. Work take some accountability. See if you can resolve it. Put some effort forth. If you can, uh, even to your point, the scrum master may not even do it individually. They may actually facilitate a retro. Mm-hmm. So the team may be doing something and then the, the scrum master could facilitate a team retro and or do some personal conversations, right. et cetera. Uh, but I think the thing that I want to circle back on is oftentimes team members are not well equipped to handle that situation and you push back on them to try and have that discussion with Mary and maybe Mary's just a prickly pear right? and they're scared. They're nervous. They don't know how to approach the subject. So that's where 
operating as a team, giving them a support. Maybe it's in a retrospective. Maybe you don't want to call them out in front of everybody. Maybe you do, but what you need to do is you need to support the team and help them identify any training or any support that's needed for them to feel confident and go have a good, healthy discussion. And that's where oftentimes so many people fail is they just say, Oh, I'm uncomfortable having that discussion. Everybody just stops. Whereas, and they run it upstream to the VP who's had a million difficult discussions because that's the way the role goes. So, Oh, it's easier rather than me trying to figure out how to have this hard discussion with somebody for me to just punt it and say, Bob, take care of it. And that's where, that's where problems arise because then the team never learns how to have those difficult discussions with each other, which is what you really need to get a true healthy team. I think it's, I agree with you. I I think there's a training aspect, which is what you're alluding to. I also though think that sometimes training, we look for excuses. Mm -hmm. So even the most well-trained people will avoid hard. Some of them will avoid hard conversations. I've done it. So I'm not, there's training, but there's also having the will or the courage to initiate the conversation no matter what because it's important. Yeah. Do you know what I'm – so it's both of those things. And I, I've seen teams that, you know, you could train them through crucial conversations a hundred times, but it's still it, – it requires effort. Yeah. It requires skin in the game. Uh, it's risky to have those conversations, but they need, someone needs to have them, you know, happen them, have them. And the, and the lower they are in the hierarchy or in the organization or in the structure, that's the better, you know, it's much more powerful to have a teammate talk to me than a VP talk to me. Yeah. Right. It's, if you and I are peers, you're a VP peer and I'm a VP peer. I mean, the entire organization can talk to me, but you're my, you're my team. Mm-hmm. You're my buddy. You're mm-hmm. my peer. Mm-hmm. That's, that's powerful. So that, that's the level to operate or as close as you can to the situation, right. I think is the more powerful conversation. Um, what else was I going to say? So there's, so it's, so it's have them. Yeah. It, it's, it's, there've been so many times in my career where I didn't want to have that discussion, but I was obligated by my role and it was always like, oh, dang it, I got I to gotta go have this really hard discussion with this person I don't want to have this discussion with. But to Bob's point, it's it's your responsibility to have that discussion. And if you don't, you aren't fulfilling the role, you aren't supporting the team, you flat aren't, aren't doing your job. And that's where things go from bad to worse. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. it's just hard, but that's the, and to me, the thing that I've realized is there's so many people that are ill-equipped for that. So I've gone back to try and educate people and get them and practice and role play and do all those things, getting them comfortable having, you're never going to be comfortable having that, that, that discussion, but at least giving them some practice, getting them to actually tackle that. Because then what happens is you see real growth within your teammates and within your team because they start self-correcting, right? They not only become a self-directed, but a self-correcting team. And that's where teams really accelerate. See, I think, I think you and I are coming at it slightly from we're agreeing and, and, but you're talking about training and skills Mm -hmm. and I'm, and you're amplifying that and I'm, I'm amplifying training and skills are nice. I think the prime inhibitor to having these crucial conversations is courage and you're sort of saying the prime inhibitor is skills and training and and i've seen a lot of situations where we've had the training but what i've seen is the lack of will 
the lack of accountability. Yeah. There is ultimately will, but I think that training increases one's courage to have that discussion and because I, you feel more prepared. And I'm, I haven't. It still does come down to will. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's not that I'm arguing with you. I, where there's these two sides. Mm-hmm. I think they're both important. But, but to me, I think there's just like I get frustrated with. So I have kids that play baseball. I get frustrated when a coach tells a kid to just throw better. Right. Or to throw harder. Right. Doesn't show them how to do that. Just yells at them. So hey, the skill isn't Pitch there. better. Right. Right. Not, okay, let's stop, Johnny, and let's understand why you're not able to throw it as accurately, consistently as you could. Let right. me teach you. Right. It's just, hey, do better. Hey, do better. Right. Hey, do better. It's not taking the time to inform that person what they're doing wrong. And, and what I'm saying, though, is having the will, this is a... Again, I'm not. I'm yeah. intentionally not arguing, but I'd rather get that feedback than I'm the coach yeah. and I don't give the kid any feedback, but I bench them all the time. Yeah, agree. Right. So I'm putting them on the bench. I'm treating them. My behavior gives them information, mm-hmm. but I say nothing right. to them. I'd rather have a bad message than no message at all. Is what I'm, the will? I want the will there. Now I want skill mm-hmm. to kind of to your point. Yeah. Skill has to. I mean, I can't suck with my communications all the time. I have right. to. I have to be more effective. It's not even. It's not even just training and having the crucial conversation. It's the the way we do it. It's it's all of that sort of skill needs to improve. Mm-hmm. But but folks folks even skilled people I find they they look for excuses and and so I'm amplifying both sides of it. We need mm-hmm. to be skillful and we, and training is a part of that at all levels. I would actually argue even senior leaders suck mm-hmm. at communications. Many no matter with that. Yeah. No matter how many classes they've had, uh, they have. I want to bounce this off of you. Someone I, I forget where it was. I was in. Uh, a discussion group online or something, uh, or it was a comment to to one of my blog posts uh, in LinkedIn. Uh, but the guy said uh, something like, everyone thinks they're a great communicator. Uh, and so the biggest burden you have is getting over that self-awareness hurdle. Have you seen? So that's a that's a problem is getting people. So there's will. I feel like training, it's the opposite. Like everybody's afraid. So I've met so many, I I taught leadership workshops years ago and I had communication practice and 90% of the people in there looked at me like I was weird. They were like, oh man, this is, this is what I do well. I don't need any I get that from a leadership perspective. I think all leaders think they're good at that, but I think the people in your scrum teams suffer from the opposite. Okay. I think at the, at the contributor level, the, the people on the team that's not their primary skill. So right? Their primary skill is writing code, running tests, so they're, doing they're all these things. Right. And even if they have some skill, they don't even they it's, it's they don't a, practice it every they day. They don't practice it every right. day. I buy that. So yeah. at a team level, there's that, and then there's this juxtaposition where leaders, mm-hmm. I, I think, they lack self awareness. Yeah, they're full of themselves. They lack humility. Mm-hmm. They think they're much better communicators than they are. Right. Right. Okay. So we yeah. so we have, that factors into it. Right. I, I, want, I wrote down something. I wanted to. Well, I think one of the key uh, things to do in the communication is not make it personal. Absolutely. So, so it has to. It ha- you can't personalize it and say, Josh, you suck. It's it's Josh. You wrote bad code. You are a bad engineer. Uh, you you ha- you know you are intentionally doing poor quality. Uh, you may have written bad code. You may have injected bugs. I, I don't want to talk to Josh. I want to talk to the behavior, mm-hmm. the results, 
and what it's doing to our commitments as a team. Do you know what? There's a difference. So I, right. it's not in any of these conversations you want to stay away from, not out of fear, but out of respect, mm-hmm. out of, uh, you know, human to human contact, right? Out of level setting. We want to talk, you know, you want to expose the behavior, but not personalize it. Would you buy that? I agree. So whenever I have to have these discussions, I, again, the theme I've had of late is education is I, I sit down, I have a discussion with, with this person. I say, here's what I'm perceiving. I'm worried there's a gap. I'm worried there's something wrong. I'm worried it's causing this problem. Tell me what I'm not seeing, what I'm not understanding. And what you do at that point is you make sure that you under, you get them to understand that you know they have the best intentions. They aren't malicious. They aren't trying to make things go wrong. They aren't trying to piss people off. What you need to do is get them to look at it from a different angle. Right. So I try and get them to look at it from my angle and say, okay, what don't I understand? What am I not seeing? So it puts me as, hey, I am the dummy here. Right. I'm the one that's not getting things right. So educate me. And what that does is that allows them to not feel attacked and it gets them to transform and think of it from the other side of the table. Right. I, I, Otherwise, it's an attack. Right. Right. You've got to frame that discussion as not an attack. And that's the initial, maybe if there's initial training or even initial conversations, it's emphasizing that as part of team kickoffs. I sometimes even, it's not that I'm running a communication class or or whatever. It's I'm talking about just norms. These are our norms. Mm-hmm. We, we never attack anyone for anything. We never, no matter how bad the situation is, mm-hmm. we don't personalize it. We talk about... The impact it has, we talk about the behavior, we talk about the results, we talk about, and more more specifically, we talk about the impact it has to the team right. and to the business, right? It's like, that's what we want to, so I, you know, I, I'm not trying to change your, Josh, everyone is wearing a blue hat right now. I am, it's very nice. Right, I, I you know, it, it's, I'm not talking about his blue hat, I, I'm not trying to change it, I'm not trying to do anything about it, it's, it's a, his attire doesn't matter. Uh, his, you know, if I don't, if he's an introvert and it doesn't matter, it's the results. We stay on yep. results. We stay on impact. Uh, that's actually something probably you want to establish baselines for like really early on in communication. Right. Yeah. And that's where I've, I've had real success with having the team go through the crucial conversations book as like a book club. And, and, and what that does is that gives your team who looks for frameworks to make their life better in the code, it gives them a framework to how to have discussions with each other. And then you as a team can sit down and to Bob's point, lay out what are the norms? How are we going to treat each other? How are we going to operate? What's this going to look like? And then everybody, again, that framework gives them support, helps encourage them to be courageous when that moment comes. Buy me some time. I want to look at. uh, Buy you some time. Yeah, buy me. Gosh, um, how much how much time do you need that determines how much money I need? That's all I need. <laughs> so we'll, oh, here it, oh, I got well, it. I holy got cow, it. he found it, man! He's fast. So I wrote a blog post just a few weeks ago on August twenty seventh, and it's called "The Art and Responsibility of Truth Telling." And there's a quote there by James Faust. I have no idea who James Faust is, but I found this quote and I and it complimented my thinking. <laughs> It, it actually, I found the quote, and I was thinking I like about that you. Your, have no idea who this person is. I have no idea who he is, but I love. I think he was a sales guy. I think he was a a guy who wrote books around how to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the quote is: "Honesty is more than not lying; it is truth telling 
truth-speaking, truth-living, and truth-loving. And what I was trying to say, in the, if you read the blog post, and we'll put a link in the Metacast, is all of us have a responsibility to, te- to be truth-tellers. And that just really is laying it out there. Now, we need, we need skill in how to do that. But it goes back to my point yeah. of even if we don't lack the skill, I would rather have poorly delivered truth than no truth at all. Yeah, right? so to me, it it goes back to that responsibility of telling truth, not truth avoiding, right? Because you're not lying when you're avoiding the truth. You're just right. avoiding it. You're avoiding. So this is this is your responsibility to tell the truth at all times as opposed to avoiding it. And it's and it's receiving the truth as well. So it's not just it's easy to tell. Mm-hmm. What's nice about not crucial conversations sort of doesn't amplify this enough, but uh, radical candor does. Is in that book she talks about uh, maybe the start of the journey is being able to take feedback. So mm-hmm. a lot of people read radical candor and use it as a license to spew truth, right? Yeah, and really harsh truth. And they're like, oh, I'm just I'm practicing radical candor. Yeah. I'm following the book. I'm doing my job. Um, and, and you are, but really the starting point is, can you take radical candor and can you take it effectively and can mm-hmm. you do something with that feedback? So it's, it's the art response, truth telling, it goes both ways. Can you tell the truth and can you receive the truth? Right? right. And can you, and I think there's something even more important than that is what do you do with it? Right. What do you do with the feedback? You start, you, we were talking earlier about me giving you feedback sometimes about you were, um, what over? I was in a retrospective. And you were in a retrospective, and you were sort of trying to do a coach, and I gave you feedback of get get the hell out of there. And I remember, I almost remember the day when I gave you that. You didn't. Your eyes were like, you you were respectful, but it was like he doesn't. What what are you saying? What, what are you, you you were you you? But you digested it, right? You right. thought about it. You didn't. You didn't immediately say, oh. That was a revelation. I'm going to get my butt out of there. Yeah, it, it was you. You took it and you did something with it. You received the feedback and you digested it. I yeah. think that's part of it. What I had to learn was that the role I had in the organization mattered, even when I didn't want it to matter. There was no way I could get around that. Right, and that was what was bothering me was, oh, I can't just be the coach. I'm also the boss. Like I wanted to leave the boss at the door. Like when I walk in, I'm just agile. But that's coach the way Josh. you are, right? That's the way you personally, right. so it's another But that's not how everybody else was. But that's not right. how everyone else is. Yeah, right? so that's where get, Bob got me to recognize and understand that. And when I understood that, things accelerated, things changed, everything became a lot more positive. But I needed that somebody to tell me, listen, just because you want it to be this way doesn't mean it is that way. Right. And so that that was that big change for me, and and, and it wasn't – Oh, I want to be in the retrospective. Like, oh, but I want to be that team member. Right. And I had to understand right. with my role, I can't be the team member. And I've just got to deal with it and accept it and let go. So, so that's part of this escalation and part of it is dealing with people is I think telling truth, having courage, telling the truth there, not personalizing it. I'm trying to wrap up some keys yeah. to it. Um, I want to come back to one other uh, point. And then I think we've sort of surrounded yeah. this. What if the manager, remember we said a partnership and but what if the manager, what if the manager doesn't take action? What do you do? So I've seen this, mm-hmm. right? 
establish a partnership. Let's say this person is an architect on the team, a subject matter expert, has been with the company for 20 years. Yeah. Is really, so from a business perspective, is freaking like we have a thousand engineers and this is the top five, one of the top five engineers in the entire freaking company. The genius asshole problem? Yeah. And they're not behaving well and I'm coaching them and I'm the manager and I'm coaching my butt off, but it really isn't having an effect, but I'm unwilling to take next step actions. And you're the scrum master. What do we do in that? So there's trust the roles, but at some point a year later, yeah, I've had this problem. Later, I've, I've, what, what, what advice do we give to the scrum master then? I, I'm that annoying guy that doesn't give up. Right. And I keep having those discussions. I've, I've, had I've this. noticed that. <laughs> over time. I know. And I've had these discussions with peers. So it wasn't a coach to coach, but it was a peer. It was a peer of mine that had someone on their team that just was detracting value immensely, but it was in that same vein of, Oh, we can't, we can't let this person go. They're too important. And for two years I would go in and have these difficult discussions with, with my peer and say, Hey, listen, this is, this is continuing to be a problem. Here's another example. And I would, because the relationship was good, I would say, what are you going to do about it? Like, how are we going to make this better? Like I, I keep coming back in every two or three months. I left eventually. (laughs) And it never, no. And it never got resolved. Um, but I, but I was relentless, relentless. about it because yeah. it was my responsibility, and my team kept bringing it up. Of right. hey, Josh, this person is a problem. What can you do about? Did it? you offer to help? And I'm not pick. I'm not over yeah. it. But did you offer to help them with it? Uh, we would talk through options and solutions, but still, it ultimately the the ball was, was in their court, yeah. and we talked through how we could mitigate risk, all the did common you go over their excuses. Head? No. I didn't know. No, I so that would have that. been an ultimate escalation. Yeah. Would be to go over their head and talk to, and yeah. and I mean that's a that's a double edged sword. And you mm. were being very respectful. You had a relationship right. with them. Right. I might have eventually gone over their head carefully and had another conversation. But I think at that point, what 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 I would do, given the relationship I had with that person, is I would be like, listen. This continues to be a problem. I don't know what else to do other than to get help. Right to get this problem fixed because right. it, it's like, I, I don't want to come in here in here and have these difficult discussions with you about this person that, that, that right. like, it's not what I want to do. It's not right. what I want to be spending my time on, but it continues to be a problem. So right. either we find a way to fix it or I'm going to go get some more help Right? like, I wouldn't want to blindside that person. Like, no, no, no. That's I, the last thing you want to do. I, so maybe yeah. partner yeah. with them, go get the help. Yeah. Uh, go get the, the intent to do it or something. I mean, it's le- to me, it's less help. It's more sort of the intention. We we're going to raise the intentions mm-hmm. of doing this. Um, I actually look at that as sort of a come to Jesus moment in agile organizations. So in, in large, in my larger scale agile experiences where I was an internal, not an external coach, but an internal leader and coach, there were, there have always been, a handful of people, one or two, just a small group that haven't got gotten it and aren't going to get it and are actually resistant and damaging the team culture and yeah. our goals. And the first one of those 
whoever pops up is that's one of those tests. Mm-hmm. I always I looked at it as a, a leadership test of is it agile? So are we going? To, is the status quo going to win, mm-hmm. or are we truly committed to teamwork and agility? Yeah. And if we're committed to teamwork and agility, then then what is the Spock quote? The one, the 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 needs of the many outweigh. You never heard. Maybe. I'm a Star Wars guy. I don't know. So the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one or the few. Mm-hmm. And I look at it as like, and and I want to keep all of those people. They're yeah. valuable. But at the end of the day, no one person is going to trump yeah. the team. And I will, ha- you know, we will have coaching sessions with them, and I will find another place for them. I I have never ever seen a person that was truly too valuable to not be there. Exactly. The, the number of times I've been places where I've come in and said, oh, no, that person, yeah, they're really difficult, but we can't afford to lose them. Exactly. And the number of times after we worked through the process and that person left and the team was like, holy cow, we can do this on our own. Correct. And life is actually better. And, and just the number of times that people are held hostage by somebody like that is astounding. Well, and that's what I see. I've actually had the same experience where when you're on the flip side of it, and it may be painful, uh, the organization is better, mm-hmm. right? The organization self heals. The organization uh, figures out how to perform and actually how to perform much better right. than it was, right? It's a dysfunction. Yeah, it literally is a dysfunction, and it's not just a knock on the team; it's a knock on leadership because you're you're sending a message to the team that I will be held hostage, that I'm you know I'm I'm telling you to be agile, but I'm not committed to it. Right? right? I'm not I'm not going to take the hard steps myself. Right? Right? I want you to take the hard steps. Do DDD change. Confront each other, show courage, but then I'm not willing, I'm not walking the, my talk, right? right? And and that's so it's a it's a point problem, but it's also a leadership problem as well. I think we I, th- I think I, we hit it. I think we did a good job. I think we hit this one. All yeah. right. So hopefully, gosh, I forget George. 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 Hopefully, this was useful, George. If you have follow up questions, let us know. Uh, Metacasters, what this says is we're listening to our audience. Yes, and we're taking feedback. Yes. So give us your feedback. Okay. Send us feedback, email, uh, like sessions. So we want feedback, social media feedback, like feedback, direct feedback, questions. Uh, This is your Metacast. It's not our Metacast. So uh, drive the topics that you want to hear. Sounds good to me. So from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all.